I'm the fifth Alejo in, in my family. That's amazing. Yeah. But the first Alejo started uh, growing and exporting the coffees in the 1840s. So we have a tradition of over 150 years uh, in, 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 in our family. And so he used to, to, to produce in Costa Rica and he exported directly to, to England. Welcome to or welcome back to Coffee with April. My name is Patrick Rolf, and this is a conversation with some amazing professionals and entrepreneurs in the coffee industry. Sharing their perspective and experience, it's about integrity, quality, and the future. For this episode, we sat down with Alejo Castro. He's the owner and farmer at the farm Volcan Azul in Costa Rica. We've been really happy to work with his coffees for the last two seasons, and we truly believe they're some of the best coffees in Costa Rica's. This was a unique opportunity for us to connect with our farmer and share his story, and we're really happy to be able to do that. We're sitting in Bordeaux, uh, which is basically southwest of France. We're in the Belco uh, headquarters. Um, in front of me, I have a really interesting person, uh, a person that we at April has been buying coffee from, from two seasons now, um, and a producer of some of the best coffee in, in Costa Rica, maybe the best, uh, Alejo from, from Volcan Azul. Um, we're super happy to have you here and, and really thankful that you, you take the time to, to be here. Well, thank you for having me here. I'm very glad and proud that uh, you are interviewing me. We are also very proud to to sell, to sell our coffee to you because we know the, that you take care of quality very much. And what we are trying to do in Costa Rica is try to have the best uh, quality uh, of coffee as possible. So we have a really long tradition in the coffee business. So I, I, I will try to, to show you what we do over there and what, it's, what we think about the coffee business. Sure. For, for me as, um, and I think, think for all of us as a coffee roasters, I mean, you, you realize very quickly when you roast coffee that the roasted coffee is never better than the green coffee. It will never be. And there's an endless uh, amount of things that we can learn about green coffee. And especially at, at April and me personally, we were really trying to understand this as more and more and getting better, um, just a better insight in, in what people do. Um, can we start by, for, for those of you that don't know, um, what is the background story of Bocanazul? Um, you know, what, what kind of farm is it and what do you, what is your goals with it? How long have you guys been around? Well, um, our, our main goal is, is to produce excellence in, in, in coffee. And I think we have uh, three main pillars that, uh, uh, that we are strong. Uh, of course, we need to have a great coffee. That's one of the pillars. Uh, then we have a very long tradition, and we also have a, a, a lot of conservation, so to be sustainable. But uh, I always start like exp explaining our our tradition because it's the best way to to understand our passion with coffee and why we we want to have this this excellence because. Excellence for us is a very big word. Uh, it means that we have to take care of, 
of every detail since we start planting the the coffee trees and then uh, milling the the coffee so it's, it's taking care of every single detail to and uh, and that's why I, I start always explaining our our tradition that it's a uh, over a hundred and and fifty years old uh, I can show you here maybe later you can show some of the pictures of of the people who started the, this tradition in, in my family. Yeah, sure, that's amazing. We, we, uh, just to reference for you guys listening, so we have basically a little slideshow here as well uh, of the Volcano Soul Farm, which we're um, gonna have a look, uh, look through as well. And we're gonna reference that, and we, we're gonna make sure that you guys are able to see this picture in, in some capacity um, as well, together with the, with the podcast, for sure. So, this is the in, in this picture, you can see the first Talejo. I'm, I'm the fifth Alejo in, in my family. That's amazing. Yeah. But the first Alejo started uh, growing and exporting the coffees in the 1840s. So we have a tradition of over 150 years uh, in, 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 uh, in our family. And so he used to, to, to produce in Costa Rica and he exported directly to, to England. Yeah, you, you told me that amazing story yesterday over, over dinner where mm -hmm. he was basically taking about, it would take, was it th three to four months? Two months, uh, well, in, at that time we only had uh, a port in the, in the Pacific. Oh wow, yeah. We didn't have a, a, a port in the Atlantic, so, uh, well, from first we have to start, from the farm we, we used to use uh, ox carts. So to first to bring the cherries from, from the field to, to the mill, and then to the mill, to the to the port, and after that, with in in sail ships, we, uh, he needed to go down to 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 Cape Horn in in Argentina, and wow. then up to to London with the with the coffee. It was a two month uh, trip uh, each way, so two months up to to London, two months back to to Costa Rica, maybe one month uh, trading uh, the coffee in London. So it was he was basically six months. Uh, uh, selling his coffees. So the first Alejo did that trip over 20 times. Uh, we have all the proofs of, of his shipments and, and f f that's when you think about that you think how difficult it was to export coffee uh, those days and that's one of the main reasons that we want to be worthy of that uh, effort uh, they did back then and and that's why we want to produce excellent coffee to be worthy of, of that uh, big effort because right now a container takes uh, 20, 22 days to, to go to Europe. We can travel 10 hours, uh, a 10 hour flight uh, to Europe and in, right now the communications are really easy. And yeah, for me it's really interesting how they did back then. And I mean, it's, it's such a big difference just referencing when when we got samples from you earlier this year, right? I mean, that was a, a DHL shipment that took like, what, two days? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a different world, it's a different reality now than, than in the past, yeah. We, we have a really um, direct communication. We talk through WhatsApp really easy. If you want to make, make me a question about the coffee, I can answer the same day. So now I think it's, it's really easy. And that's why we are proud of this history that we have with with coffee and that was uh, well, this part I'm telling you is from the side of my father but we also have a long tradition from the side of of my mother 
and this is my my uh, my family from the side of my mother that they came from Hanover in in Germany. Oh wow! This is Wilhelm Kalle, who came from from Hanover to the south of Mexico first, and he started to produce coffee in the 1890s. So we also have uh, over a hundred years in the other side of my of my family. And this is Valta Kale, his, his son or my great-grandfather, who decided also to buy uh, farms in, in Costa Rica. And that's how both families came together, and, and that's why I have these two strong traditions. And I always say uh, that instead of blood running through my veins, I have coffee running, running through my veins. And finally, what, what I wanted to, to show you is that we found out a couple of weeks ago, and that's why it's re really interesting for us to, to be here at Bordeaux, because we also have a, a, some French a heritage. So we have a great, great, great grandfather called Pierre Bonneville, and we found out that he had a cell ship, and in one of his advertisements that he had in, in the United States because he went to live in in, 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 in USA. Uh, we have a very old uh, um, advertisement of a, of a newspaper. Here you can see Peter Bonnefil, Pierre Bonnefil, mm. and it's from 1802. And here is what he was selling from, this is his actual ship. We found a, a, a drawing. But, but he had, uh, uh, he was selling, here you can see 300 bags, 45 barrels uh, of first quality green coffee. So we found out that we have been dealing with coffee uh, of, uh, over uh, 200 years. So it's 1802, wow. 1802 is oh, this, this advertisement. As well. Yeah, exactly. So it can be way before that as well. Yeah, so over 200 years with, with in, the, in, the, in the coffee business, something uh, something incredible for, for us. And we have all the documents that uh, uh, where we can see all that. So yes, it's, that's why I always start explaining our, our long tradition with this. Yeah, well, that, that, that's amazing. I mean, it's two, 200 years in the making, uh, which is an extremely long time, that the world has changed. Everything has changed more or less, right? And, what well, what do you see uh, also referencing back to the more traditional side, right? What what are the main kind of changes over those years that's been really important for for your family and 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 your trading and your quality and your direction of the of the farm? Well, of, of course there are many changes now, but I think we're going back to some things that they 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 did back then. Uh, for example, back then every every farm had its its own mill or micro mill. Back then, so my my the first Alejo had a, a mill in in every, in every farm he had, and they had this this amazing bourbon and typical varieties that we are planting again in in Costa Rica because a few years ago we only planted a Catura Catuai because many people were thinking more about uh, bigger meals and be more efficient, have higher yields. And now we are coming back to, to these uh, old varieties, uh, the Bourbon and Typicas, that uh, they're giving us uh, a better quality. Uh, of course, right now we have new, new processing methods or, uh, or new processes, uh, but I, th uh, I think we're coming back 
on those days they had a really good uh, uh, quality and that sure. and that's why Costa Rica and coffee became that uh, that famous because all the the work they did back then uh, and in the maybe in the 1960s in, in Costa Rica because of some loss uh, we changed that bit mentality to produce a higher volume and be more more efficient uh, uh, with the cost and not that focus on, on quality and we're going back to to, to that uh, and to produce again a, a micro lots and separate separate everything by by variety and try to do new processes so uh, uh, I, I, I think we're changing in that direction yeah sure we we talked a bit about it last night over dinner again and, and uh, we referenced uh, I, I, I asked uh, Alejo about um, natural anaerobic fermented coffees because that's a that's a new trend in Costa Rica now we, we see so so much of it this season and uh, and Alejo was mentioning that you know the, the focus of what you guys do which is also why we found you guys in the beginning because uh, the focus is is more in varietal diversity and the quality of each varietal and trying to showcase that rather than creating additional flavors with processing right so you want you want clean coffees from the varietal to shine through yeah and we started um, buying from you guys um, because we saw you guys at Obata, uh, a, a really interesting varietal originally from, from Brazil, uh, at least uh, largely farmed there, uh, leaf-resistant, um, possibly in a lot of ways, high-yielding, delicious. Um, and I mean, this season now, we're, we're buying an H1 varietal from you guys, which is also a relatively rare varietal, right? So that's something that we also really appreciate to keep the cleanliness of the coffees and the focus on the individual varietals, right? And I think over um, over the time here in Bordeaux, we talked a lot about varietals, and you guys are, have a lot of different varietals, a lot of different focuses. Um, what are what is the kind of main version now or focus of, of the modern Balkan Azul, right? If we look at what you're doing today, in terms of varietals and in, in terms of cough quality. I explained you a little bit about our tradition and and where our passion comes from. Here, you can see me uh, at, at the coffee farm when I was little oh. with my father. You can see he, me here working with him. Uh, uh, here we were we were paying for the to the uh, to the pictures for each basket. Here you can see my sister and my and my brother. So yeah, I explain you our passion and that coffee is part of who we are. But uh, yeah, we have this great passion. But uh, passion by itself, it doesn't give us a, a good coffee. So we have to think right the steps that we have to do in order to, to produce this excellence. And one of our, uh, what I think the, one of the best ways to produce excellent coffee is to, to in, have a very good investigation about uh, varieties. And that's why we have over 40 varieties in, in our farm. And every year we're going to make, a, a, to try something new. Mm. To all the ideas every year have uh, have a, a, a new variety, and the idea with this is that uh, is we, we want to have a wide menu. Uh, every single roaster or barista they have a preference of flavors that they want, and basically we want to have a little bit of every flavor in in in, in our farm. We have a great terroir. 
I will explain you a little bit later about uh, the environment we have over there, the special environment we have over there. So right now we have a great terroir, uh, great uh, conditions over there. We believe almost all varieties are giving us a, a great quality. And so our focus is to have a lot of varieties and 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 with that we we already have a, some some flavors more more florals like our geishas or some of our Ethiopian varieties we have planted in our farm or we have more traditional flavors more chocolate or a, a, like our katura a, or 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 katwai and and we will have. Or, or some other exotic flavors like our SL28 uh, or our mocha uh, varieties. So we're focusing more in, on, on varieties over it. Of course, we are going to investigate about new processes, but we think that with our terroir and uh, in, in these different varieties, we are going to have uh, great coffees from, from our farm. Sure. Can you explain more about the, the specific terroir on the farm? Where, where are we in terms of altitudes, in terms of soils, shade trees, and so on and so on? Uh, of course, we have the altitude. We are over 1,500 meters. Uh, we start in, on 1,500 meters. But we have something else very interesting that uh, I was going to explain to you uh, later about the, our conservation areas in the, in the farm, but in our main plantation, we have a, our main plantation is 300 hectares, but 200 hectares are just conservation of the, of, of the forest. So we have found out that, um, that having this big forest, because over those 200 hectares, we have a national park. So here you can see, this is, this is the Puas Volcano, it's the third biggest crater in the, in the, in the world. Here we have our mill. And on top of this place, we have uh, 200 that, uh, hectares that we own of just forest. And over that, we have a big uh, uh, national park. And we, thanks to that, we have a very uh, big change in temperature during the, the harvest season. So during the night, we have even uh, 10 degrees Celsius. For us, it's really cold. For you, it's not that uh, cold, maybe. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but for, uh, for Costa Rica, that's really cold. And during the day, we can even have a uh, 30 degrees Celsius. So that big change in temperature is giving us a higher bricks content in the, in the mucilage. And at the end, this is what's giving us uh, such a great uh, quality in, in, in our coffee. So. Uh, and the other thing about our Toa is that this is a volcanic region. So our, we have volcanic sandy soils, very rich. They are a little bit uh, acidic, but we can control that with uh, limestone, uh, adding limestone to, to, to the soil. But so we have the soil, the great soil, and we have the great climate that is very specific from, from, from that uh, region. And that's, that's why we're lucky that uh, Every most most of the even almost all of the varieties we have over there is giving us a, a great uh, cup of coffee. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, we've been we've been trying a, a very wide range of your coffees now for for two years, and and that that's it's you know it's, it's it's very obvious. You guys have also done very well in Cup of Excellence in in Costa Rica historically as well. Second place last year, Second if I remember correctly. Yeah, scoring. Do you, do you remember how high that scored? In a ninety point eighty eight yeah. or nine, that's, that's almost ninety one. Some very very good coffee. Uh, one thing that I've personally always been very interested in, kind of going back to the varietals again, something you've been referencing to me before here as well. I mean, you said that from, from starting experimenting with a new varietal, planting initial seeds, we're looking at a 10-year process before you can have a proper harvest and then start kind of making money you know, or getting some kind of return on this coffee. And I hear 10 years and I think, wow, that's a very long time. I mean, obviously, you guys are, are farm by generation, but also on, on a personal level, where, where, where do you get the patience for, right? And how do you actually structure this to, to, uh, to, to work properly when it's so long time? Well, if, if you're a farmer, you have to be patient. And that's something nice about uh, the job we do. We learn that uh, there are cycles in, in life that you have to respect. So when I get new seeds, of course, I, I need first to, to test them in, in our Torah. So if, if someone says, this is the best uh, variety in the world, uh, look the results they're having in, I don't know, in, in Colombia or in, uh, or in Panama or in another place of Costa Rica. Uh, but maybe in our farming, it won't work or the, we won't have productions over there. So what I would like to do always first is to plant around between 500 to 1,000 uh, uh, trees of that variety, uh, because if it's if I only have two or three plants, maybe I will have uh, I will manage that with uh, very carefully, and I won't have the results that I will have in a in a in a bigger scale uh, production. So I try to do I try to give the same conditions that I give to the rest of the plantations of of our farm. So. I get the seeds and I have to make the nursery and I will have the first decent uh, um, production for four years after that. Then I take the, that variety to our copping lab and if we find out that it's a great quality, then we have to take more seeds, make a new nursery, a bigger one, and wait another four, four or five years to, to have a the first uh, decent production, uh, so we sure, can and, and provide. Still, still in, in, in that process, in that second stage, there's still no guarantee that they come out exactly the way you want to, right? But it, it will be, uh, we will be more sure that it will work because we already did, we, we already managed that uh, variety with the same conditions that we will manage a bigger uh, plantation. We don't give uh, any extra care to, to, uh, uh, to something that we're testing. We give exactly the same conditions to the, that we are giving to the rest of, of, of the farm. So, and, and after that, we will use the seeds from the same plantation, so they, they are the same. And we select the, the, the seeds from, from, from our uh, trees. And so we will be more certain about the, the results of, of that second production of, uh, of, of a certain variety. Oh, amazing. What is, I've always been really interested in, in the kind of infrastructure of, on, a, on a farm level, in terms of 
I mean, how many people work at, at Vulcan Assault today, and, and how is that kind of managed on the on the back end? Because as a roaster, I mean, most of our impression with, with farms and producers are basically what, what we cup, right? Yeah. Then, of course, some of us um, come and they, they visit farms and so on and so on, but it's still hard to understand exactly how, uh, let's say, the more logistical or business side mm -hmm. of a kind of coffee farm is how that actually works. Well, f first we have to understand that we have to be very clear that the quality comes from the field. Uh, when you have a meal, sometimes you forget about the, the plantations. So we have to be very caref careful with that and we have to know that we have to give to the, to the plantations uh, all the, the management that it requires. So uh, in, in our main plantation, we have all year around eight uh, 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 workers. Uh, all the year, and after that, in the uh, during the harvest season, we have a hundred additional uh, coffee pickers that they always come back. It's that's very important. We we have to pay extra so they can pick just uh, the ripening cherries, and they come back for one reason because they they like to 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 work there, and they already know how how to do it. We don't have to every year to be on top of them, uh, uh, showing them how to, to pick the their right cherries. So we already have the confidence uh, with this. It's a very big family that they always come from, from Nicaragua and they come for, the, for that season. And for them it's a, a good business, for all it's also a good business because they, they pick uh, great quality. But that's during the harvest season. The, the, rest, the rest of the year in the plantation, we have to be very careful with diseases. You know the the problem, the big problems with the rust in in Costa Rica. That uh, I don't know, um, six seven years ago, it wasn't a problem. So the first year we had uh, the rust disease in our plantations was uh, we lost uh, around 25, 30 percent of our production from that year, and maybe 50 percent of the next year. So it was really tough for us. So we have to be on top of, 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 of our plantation, looking that we don't have any disease. So uh, our first job is to take care of, 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 of the plantations uh, during the, the rainy season. That it's maybe the, the time of the year that, that most of the roasters don't go to, to, to the farms. So it's basically to, to maintain the, the, uh, that uh, the the trees are healthy, that they have the, the fertilization that it requires. We always make, a, we take the soil to, to a lab to see which nutrients we are lacking there. Because basically when we pick the cherries, we are taking off the, those nutrients from, from, the, the, from the soil. So what you have in a bin of everything that makes that bin, it comes from the soil. So we have to replace that back or, or give it back to, to, to the soil. So our main fertilizer is, is from, the, from the pulp. We make an organic uh, fertilizer from, from, from the pulp of the, of the coffee. And then, we, of course, we need some other nutrients and that's why we take that soil to, to the lab and we add what we are lacking over there. So that's the most important part because we want to develop that uh, bean to be strong enough and that it, it will be even in, in all in all plantations so at the end what when I send those green beans to you you will have a steady 
density of, of all the pins, so you you will have a, an even a, a roast in from of our coffee, and uh, of course we have to to take care of the roads inside the the, um, the plantation and uh, and then prepare the other step is to prepare the meal for the new the, for the new crop sure and it's just maintain the machines and uh, to have everything uh, ready for that everything is working properly because we think that uh, uh, managing uh, the harvest is like uh, managing a crisis you don't know if you're going to have uh, rain during the, the harvest season. Uh, last year, we, it was a strange year. We had al almost uh, three weeks of rain during the, during the harvest. And milling, milling coffee is basically drying coffee. Sure. This is drying it from... Well, which makes yeah. it difficult if it rains for yeah. three weeks. Yeah. And we, in, in, in our region, it's, uh, the, the harvest season happens always in, during the dry season. So it's something we didn't plan to to have rain, but you have to adjust this. The harvest is a crisis that you have to take to to imagine how to to have a solution 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 to to every single uh, thing you are going to have. Uh, every single harvest is different, so sure. you have to adjust to. How, how did you end up uh, adjusting to last year then, when when you have three weeks of rain, when you weren't supposed to have rain? Well, how do you fix that? We have to. We had to dry uh, uh, 24 hours uh, a day. We had to make bigger uh, patios or more, more African beds, uh, extra African beds. In one point, uh, we had uh, it was crazy. Almost all the meal with uh, African beds uh, all around the meal of new new beds. But uh, at the end, we managed to to have a. Uh, a good uh, quality uh, from from last harvest. Also, we have we have uh, some mechanical dries. I always like to 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 dry some and after give the final point in in the mechanical dryers. But we have to be very careful with mechanical dryers. We cannot give uh, a high high temperatures. We have to give a rest to the to to the coffee uh, because in order to protect the quality uh, if, if we do it continuously we will over dry the outer part of the bean and we will have some humidity inside the bean and, and end up with an unstable water activity yeah. most importantly right yeah and something that we are proud is that uh, our clients say that they, they can uh, uh, roast the coffee even one year later of, uh, of that crop and they still have uh, good quality and that's Thanks to 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 drying it uh, properly or doing it uh, the right way. Sure, I think what we what we see from a, from a roasting perspective, and this goes basically across all regions at the moment, or all farmers in the world as well, is that drying for us is is probably the most important thing, right? And we see a huge difference across different origins and producers based on especially how long it's been dried. Mm. So to some extent, the longer the better. That's not completely true, but, mm. to, but to some degree, because the water activity seems to come out a lot more stable and, and the shelf life is, is just so much better, right? Yeah, and at the end, you can go to origin and you can cop some really good coffees, but if it, they last uh, two months, it's not good for you. So, and I think that's what makes uh, uh, micro meals and, and, 
and and state coffee is different because we control how much uh, coffee is coming from the from the plantation. So so we don't have a lot of coffee coming behind and we can give the time to to the coffee to dry uh, properly. So for example, big mills in Costa Rica, they tend to dry coffees in 36 hours. Sure. So it's really short and uh, it, it happens what, what what I talked to you before that uh, Maybe the other part of the bin is uh, is uh, overdried, and the the center of the bin is is still more 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 humid. So in, in our case, for example, for a natural, it's around 14 to 15 days, and the only way to do that is that you don't have this uh, pressure from behind of, of a lot of uh, cherries coming from the field, and you have to be very fast to to give more space to. I, I think a lot of us on on the kind of barista slash well, I mean, I mean maybe not just in in Europe, but on on the roaster side of things, we all a lot of us have this very romanticized version of a farm, right? But as you mentioned as well, in in a lot of cases, especially in bigger production, right, it's not necessarily about how do we make this coffee the tastiest, right? It's, it's business and it's logistics, and it's about as you said, making that coffee move. And if you are a mill that are, is producing a, a very, very high, high amount of coffee, then you need to stress the processes, right? We've seen that in, um, not, I'm not gonna go in too deep in this, but Ethiopia, uh, I think it was two seasons ago, we had some really, really famous mills that were getting so famous that their production mm -hmm. almost doubled. And you could taste that so clearly in the cup profile that the drying times just wasn't properly done. Everything was really stressed, and then the quality of that coffee just disappeared. Right. That's something very important. We already know as family what what's our limit in in volume. We're not going to to produce more than what we think we can manage in a in a good way. We prefer to say that we don't have coffee instead of giving uh, instead of lowering our our quality. And it's also uh, we we don't want to overexpose our, our our brand. We want to have this long-term relationship with the, with the roasters that work with us, with our partners. Uh, and if we are selling to to everybody, they we won't ha we won't have these solid relationships with our, with our partners uh, around the, the world. So. I, th I think that's a it's a that's a super important part of it, right? And there's something that. There, um, I'm, I'm trying very hard with April as well to do on, on the other kind of thing, right? Because you have the same thing there as, as a lot of roasters are using the same green coffee. And then you have a lot of coffee shops in the world are using the same roasters, right? And I'm, I also strongly believe in these kind of independent collaborations more so than anything else. I want us to take a bit of time because we, we uh, scratch on the surface of, of leaf rust. Mm -hmm. which you can't talk about coffee in Central America without referencing yeah. leaf rust. I mean, it, it's the, one of the absolute biggest challenges that, that you guys have. And with that hand-in-hand hand comes you know, organic farming, biodynamic farming, which is something that a lot of people in, in, in Europe, pretty ignorantly, unfortunately, but are, are demanding or asking for more and more, quite often without understanding the, the situations of the farmers in, in different parts of the world, right? Um, do you want to share a bit about, because we had a discussion about that yesterday as well, and you said something really interesting about, especially about certifications, mm -hmm. how about uh, how, to some extent, uh, easy that is. Uh, you, you mentioned one in particular, which I thought was really interesting, where 
um, you would get a certification. So we, we don't need to mention any uh, the name of the certification, but they would come and basically control you every three years. Mm. And what you do in between there, you can do whatever you want. No one really cares. And you would still get certified, right? So there is a, I think there's a misconception big time on, the, uh, on, on my side of the industry in terms of what, what that actually means and the value of these certifications. I think the the best certification there is is the one that we have right now uh, with you is, is this direct rate. Mm -hmm. uh, the ro the roasters that use our coffee they come to our farm every year. They go around. They can go freely around uh, and see by themselves that what we are talking here is true. For example, it's it's it was really nice last last uh, two harvests ago uh, that our, our French uh, a roaster. He, um, he, it was the, f the the first time he was going to to buy from from our farm, and in our brochures and in our web page, we, we talk about the conservation areas that we own, and most of those conservation areas are in the south of Costa Rica, that are five hour drive from from our mill, and he came to our farm. Yes, uh, you talk about this, but uh, I want to go there and see if it's if it's true. And we were in the middle of the harvest. It's the busiest time of the year, but it, it was really nice. We, I went, we, I went with him to 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 that place. And if it was a lie, it, was, I, I, it, it will be very, uh, really strange to to say to him, uh, no, we cannot go. Uh, mm. So, so the best certification is that uh, people can be confident that their roaster or uh, is going to to the place where he's buying the coffees. And, and certified by himself that uh, what we're talking about is true. It's, uh, it's for, for me the, the best way to know the, the real thing. Mm. Where, where are, a, a bit shifting gear here, but, but something I'm always very interested in as well is that, and, and you said that uh, over dinner as well, uh, where you said, I can't imagine doing anything else than, than being a coffee farmer. Right, which is interesting for several reasons. Because if we look at South Central America today, we look at coffee prices today, we look at average age of a coffee farmer today. Then, in most cases, if you're on the younger side of things, you're not going to start farm coffee. Right? We see, we see a, a generational shift here that kind of needs to happen, but it's not necessarily happening all over the all over the world. But Yet you're so extremely determined that, that this is what I'm uh, what I'm doing, and it would be very interesting to to share just a bit about like what what's your personal background, right? Obviously, you grow up on a coffee farm, right? But I mean, was coffee farming always? Yes, this is what I'm going to do, or did you you know um, revolt as a teenager and wanted to do something else, or what's the what's the process there? Well, I, I talked to you about the tradition, and and I think the best way to show you about uh, my my background in in coffee like i think this picture over here is the best yeah. example of i was always uh, with my father at the farm and uh, we went together to work with with him but for us it wasn't work it was for for i rem my best memories as a child they uh, they have to do with with coffee going to the meal when I was little, it, for me, it was amazing to see the the, the cherries going in, in in a little channel with water, and see all the machines working and, and taking off the pulp. 
also the smell of the of a truck full of uh, of cherries is is for me is something amazing. Also, when when you are drying coffee, the smell of the uh, of the mucilage, uh, the drying, uh, those are the, for me the best memories, the best smells, and uh, and. Uh, I, I cannot explain you with, with words the big passion I have for for everything that has to be to be with coffee. But uh, it, it unites my family. Uh, always uh, the long the long vacations in Costa Rica they are from from the end of December to February, mm -hmm. and we always went by to the farm. So we had Christmas in the, in the farm. Uh, I always. It was really nice to to be at the farm in, in because it's the dry season and it's windy, and it, it's a magical place in, for for a kid in to be in Christmas in in, in the farm. I yeah, even course. imagine Santa Claus coming <laughs> to 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 the farm in in Costa Rica. So, uh, in this kind of picture is where you can see uh, all my background in and how I grew up I, uh, alongside the, the plantation. And it's something that I w also want to transmit when I have uh, children in the, in the future. And, yeah, of course. And also there is a, here a really good picture that, I, here I, I understood that we had to be on top of every title. Here you can see me when I was younger with, with my father, that we were checking a container that we were exporting back then. And this has been uh, a few, maybe a couple of years ago. But I'm always, uh, when, when we are closing a container or we are exporting something, I'm always there. I'm always taking the samples and making the control of quality. And I understood that since I was little. So uh, that's why during the harvest season, I live uh, 10 meters away from the, from the, from the mill. Mm. And it, it, there is not a big secret. Uh, producing coffee. You just have to be there sure. and to be on top of every detail and to solve any problems that you have. Uh, every, everything has a solution when you're uh, processing coffee. So the, the big secret is to be there. there there's no other way to. And it, it's, I think the same in a, in a roastery. But, uh, I mean, sure. I mean, it's, it's um, I think we we see that well we see it everywhere we see it on farms as you say we see it as in roasteries as well where it's I mean the, the, there's a lot of roasters that were really good in the past and are may not as, as good now or there's a lot of roasters that are very good now and it, it all comes down to having people in the company that actually truly cares about the quality I mean because we all do I'm sure on a farm level that's true as well we all do good coffee we all do not so good coffee right we all do mistakes to some extent, and the difference between um, the, the very best companies are the ones that are like, okay, I, I have a process for recognizing those mistakes, and I'm making sure that those mistakes will never actually reach the people that are paying for my coffee, right? Because you take pride in, in, in quality, and I think that's really the most important part, right? And, um, and I'm, I'm a true believer also from a farm perspective that it's something we, we believe in very strongly at April is that quality will, will prevail. That's a bit of a fluffy thing mm -hmm. to say. But in the end of the day, I think, you know, we're, we're so many people, so many farmers, so many roasters trying to do so many things now. And I think 
I see to some degree, I'm not sure if this, uh, I'm not, uh, it will be interesting to hear what you think about this as well from, from a producer perspective, but what I see is a slight declining quality. So what I see is that the, the, um, the overall focus on quality is, is more challenging now than it was before mm. because a lot of people are stressed financially. And when you're stressed financially, you tend to focus less on quality and yeah. more on trying those kind of get those numbers running right. But um, no, I definitely agree with you. I mean, it's a, it comes down to um, that. That's why I thought this ten-year process with the varietal is so interesting as well because uh, attention to detail over that many years, it's very difficult. I think this very you need to have a true passion yes. for what you do to be able to, you know, I mean, it's a lot of work in the end of the day, right? I mean, it's, it's not easy work either. Uh, and it, you really need to love it to, to be able to perform. I, I think it's, it's very important to, to always be true to yourself, true to your values, never change those, those good values that, uh, that you already have. And the most uh, difficult part is to be constant uh, through all all the years. Uh, and for us, the, 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 we have to be very clear that our most important uh, uh, job is back there in in Costa Rica, to always be uh, inside our plantations and to manage everything personally. So it, it's it's not possible if. if I, if I will be always traveling around, which is also really nice, and it's also important to know what uh, our partners are, are doing uh, abroad, because if we understand them, we can make a better job back then in, in Costa Rica. But our most important job is, is back there. If I'm not present, if, if I'm not uh, always on top of those details, I w uh, sooner or later, later I will lose quality. Of course, I can make make mistakes. Everyone uh, makes uh, some mistakes, but but uh, you have to be there to realize about those mistakes and fix them. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean that's um, to some extent I, at least how I'm trying to do it at Ipo as well. I mean, I'm, I'm traveling a lot as as a person as well, but we, I mean we have two production days a week, and then I'm in Copenhagen. I'm, yeah. I'm, I would never be anywhere else in the world on production day, right? Because that's the important part. Um, on a more, because I mean, you're a coffee farmer, um, owner, uh, but you're also then, um, let's say, a manager, right? Because you have a team. And I, I'm curious from uh, an entrepreneurial side of things, because sitting here talking with you, the, it, it's so obvious uh, the passion, right? You're, you're really into this. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's amazing to see. But how then do you transfer this to your staff? Do do you f is, has that been a challenge, or is that really has that been very easy, or is that a process, or is that something you're you're working on, or how does that work? Because I mean, you can't you can't do it all by yourself. You need a team. I, I think the best way to to uh, transfer this passion to to our collaborators in in, in the farm is to give the example uh, to. If, if, if they do a very hard work and they see you um, away from the farm or just uh, see them working, uh, they won't see this passion, they won't get this passion. And I, I think that the, 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 the clue is, what I was telling you before, is to be there. I, I work with them. I, if I ha have to, to, to manage the, the machines, uh, I manage the, the machines in the, in the mill. 
I have sometimes uh, when we were starting with naturals, uh, taking off the pulp of, of naturals when they are, they are dry, the first time was really difficult for us because we didn't know how to do it right. We saw how, how to do it, but we didn't do it by, by ourselves. So the, the, the first year we had a, 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 we needed to send very quickly a container to, to Australia because it's a long trip, so they needed it earlier. And we had a deadline. So I was at the mill until the uh, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. working on, on that. Uh, and I know that people that work with us, they see that we are all, we also, Make a big effort there. We, we everybody is working there, and, and now we have selected the people that understand that passion. And of course, without them, it will be very difficult to to continue uh, producing coffee. But uh, they have to see that we are also uh, putting our effort that uh, in, in in the business. So, and of course, w we have to work harder than uh, than uh, our our workers and if they see that they're going to understand uh, that they also have to be passionate about uh, about producing coffee and that's why we only select the ones that understand that uh, passion mm. where 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 do you get inspired from i mean as a coffee farmer we had the, we've been having this discussion now as well because we have a few other producers with us here in Bordeaux as well and been having dinners and coffees together and you guys are, are like all Central America and, and South America and that's uh, really interesting to, to just hear uh, you know the, the interaction uh, between you guys as producers right and I'm always curious where if Coffee farming for you is a relatively closed process where you have a goal, you have a vision, you have a direction where you want your coffees to go. Um, or is it a process where you know you, you travel around and you get inspiration from other farmers, both in Costa Rica, but also outside of Costa Rica? How does that process work for you? My main inspiration is, uh, is basically, of course, uh, I explained to you about our tradition and how our, my ancestors uh, did the work back then and how we want to be worthy of that uh, effort they did, but also my, my parents uh, and, and how, um, how they um, educated us, uh, how they transferred all that knowledge uh, uh, to us and all the effort they did uh, raising uh, my siblings and me. And, uh, for me, that's a big inspiration, and also, I'm I want to be worthy of my what my ancestors ancestors did, but also what my parents did, and all all what they gave to us, because I'm working really hard with varieties and all that. But uh, my father was the one that was managing and 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 making all the, the, the farms, which is a more difficult uh, job. Now now I have this great terroir where I can bring the the, the, the varieties and almost all varieties give us a, a great cup of coffee. So, but uh, he did a, a, a harder work. work. So f that for me is a, is a really good uh, example and I really, it needs my, my inspiration for, for doing what I'm doing right now. And, of course, I go to other farms uh, to see 
and we share some information with other farms that we have a big friendship. Uh, I don't see them as rivals, so with, with many of them I, we share even a, a, a varieties. I, I, give, gave, I give them some of our seeds and they give me some of what they have o over there. And, and that's also a, 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 an important part. Uh, in Costa Rica, we have many small farms and, and for me it's also an inspiration how these local uh, farmers, they, they have continued with this, uh, with the uh, coffee uh, plantations and now with their micro meal and how their family is still united thanks to the coffee. That, and that's also a, a big inspiration for us uh, in, in, in coffee. What are the, which I'm also really interested in, um, what has been the biggest challenges for you throughout this whole process? From, from how, how, how old were you when you started to, to, to basically run the farm or, or, or really taking responsibility for the future of it? And what has the kind of biggest challenges been over that process? I started with a bigger responsibility since I went out of high school. I went to, to college in Costa Rica, so I started to work uh, at the same time that I was uh, studying college. And I st my father started, uh, I started working in um, driving a tractor or doing so, some basic uh, work in the, in the farm. So I think it was great because uh, I understood uh, how it was to, to work uh, in the basic uh, labors uh, of the farm. And after that, I started uh, managing some of the plantations. And after I started to, to have good results, then I started managing more uh, all the farms. And after that, I started managing the, the mill and all the export, uh, all the, the, the export paperwork that we have to, to do uh, back then. So it was, I started from the basic and then going up since I was, uh, 18, so maybe when I was 23, 24, I was already managing all the exports from from our from our farm, and I think the at the beginning to have new processes because uh, m many years ago we only did uh, washed coffees and one SHB of uh, it was a good quality, but it was not a micro lot quality. So changing that mentality from, from a good gourmet uh, SHB uh, to a micro lot where you have to uh, have a really good traceability uh, since it comes from the, from, the, from the field and then to have each back with a label. Uh, the traceability is something uh, uh, really important for us. You can see here a picture of the warehouse. But the old mentality to, to have all together, it was easier to change that uh, to, to this, that we cannot lose not a single uh, bag. Because if you buy an H1 and I send you a Katura, you will be very mad with me. So uh, Sure, yeah. sure. And, and <laughs> I mean, that... It never happened from you, but it has happened in, in other cases. Yes, so uh, that's why to, to change this mentality that now we have to take care of many details. Of, uh, we have even lots of one single bag or even uh, 20 kilos. And I cannot lose that in, 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 in our mill. 
So that was, at, at the beginning it was, uh, when you change anything, the, the first year it's a little bit difficult, but uh, if you're on top of, of the details, uh, sooner or later it will get easier for, for you. So now the people that work with us is, have understood all, all that and they are careful. And also, I, I always say to, to, to our collaborators that it's better that they, if, 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 if they damage a coffee or, or they don't know what a coffee is, it's better to say uh, about that. So it's, uh, uh, they, have, they are comfortable of telling me that if they messed something, a lot or something, that they can talk to me yeah. about that. It's better to, to, to not sell one, one lot than sending you a lot that was managed, uh, mismanaged by, by our co collaborator, collaborators or, or by me. Uh, so uh, so th that they can feel safe that they, they can talk to me about anything w without be having any fear or about telling that. Yeah, which is, it's, it's extremely important, right? That's a very big part of, of being able to maintain quality. Um, to, to kind of round it up, because um, we, we have some other commitments later today we need to do as well. But um, So Volcano Sol is a, is a farm with a very impressive background in terms of heritage. Right, We're talking over 200 years, more or less, of, of farming. And I'm curious then, what, can we, what will we see uh, from Volcano Sol in the future? What is the plan for the next 200 years? The idea we will first is to have a constant quality. You will see a wide menu of flavors from our farm, thanks to the varieties. My idea is to have to plant something new every year, so always to be in this constant process of, of testing new varieties. So the idea is to have something new. We are working with with uh, varieties that, that they already exist, but we are also working with new hybrids of, of different, uh, maybe uh, a geisha with a katura or geisha with biyasarchi. I don't know, there are many options in the future, so we will never stop this uh, process of, of, of having new, new flavors from, from our farm. And also the most important part is to be sustainable. So, one of my favorite uh, things about what we do is the conservation uh, uh, part. So we have to take care first of the soil and then we have to take care of the microclimate. But yeah, of the soil we take care with the organic material and, but the microclimate, the best, w the, what we can, uh, put, how we can protect it is to protect the forest. So, so our family, we own over 1,500 hectares in Costa Rica uh, and it's the best way to contribute to the, I think, to the humanity because uh, we are uh, contributing to climate change. You, you, I told you earlier about uh, the microclimate, we, the special microclimate we have in our farm thanks to all that big forest alongside our plantations. But we also have uh, a lot of in, in the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica, that is in the, in the far south of Costa Rica. So I believe Costa Rica is a role model in conservation. We 98% of our energy is renewable. Wow. Uh, 
we are a small country, a small country. we are 0.03% of world's uh, surface, but we have 5% of world's biodiversity. So it's a very dense country. And also Costa Rica has reverse deforestation. So in the, in the, in the 1950s, uh, we had around 25% of forests in the, in, the, in, the, in the country, and now we are over 50%. So that's a big achievement, and it's something every people in Costa Rica is proud of, of, uh, of our conservation model. Uh, and it's something that you are safe when you're buying Costa Rica and uh, coffee. It's, it's, not, it's not a place that used to be a, a rainforest uh, two years ago and they cut it down. Uh, we have even reverse reforestation. And in our case, most of our conservation areas are in in this part of Costa Rica, in the Osa Peninsula, that for me is a great place. In this small area, we have 2.5% of world's biodiversity. And, well, my, it's something we have always believed in, in, in the conservation. My father started uh, buying these uh, bigger conservation areas in the 1980s. And for me, the experience with the uh, rainforest is amazing. Uh, to, to some, sometimes with, if you are really stressed because of the, uh, during, the, during the harvest season when, when you have a lot of work and you go to, to this farm, it, our house there is alongside the, the, the rainforest. So during, we don't have electricity there. So all you hear is the, is the rainforest, the monkeys, the birds. And when you come back from that farm, you come back like a new person. And, and the Osa Peninsula is great. You can see here in this picture the, the rainforest alongside the sea. It's the, mo it's the most beautiful place. It's, you can see whales, dolphins, and, and these are some of the, the, the animals yeah. you can find. There are the jaguar, uh, wild pigs, uh, puma, monkeys, and this is an amazing animal, the sloth. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to make sure that you guys listen. We, we, maybe we can put this uh, uh, like as a PDF or something yeah. in, in a link uh, so that people can, can naturally go through and see all of these pictures as well. Because uh, it's, it's truly amazing. But at the end, I was talking to you about this because of sustainability. The idea is that we, can, we already have 200 years of history with coffee. The idea is that we can have two more, 200 more years uh, uh, with this and here you can see my niece and my nephews there the idea is that they can continue and, and in the future when I get uh, to have uh, children that they can continue with this uh, tradition and that's why we do this uh, and maybe this can I have this uh, uh, saying that oh, wh what I want is that uh, my best microlot must be the last one I produce. So we have to be always be improving something with new varieties, uh, making our processes better. And so that's that's what we our idea and our philosophy. Sure, and I, and I think that I mean you you can taste that in the coffees. You clearly can, right? And, and I think that's that's the amazing part, right? I think that's a, that's a great way to wrap it up. I want to, before we stop this, because what all of you listening should do now is that you guys need to try Alejo's coffee, right? You need to try Volcanas for coffee. Can you, can you pinpoint some roasters uh, that you know have your coffee uh, somewhere in the world so that these guys can, can buy it? Obviously, you're going to be able to. We're launching the, um, 
an H1 varietal that we have, mm-hmm. honey processed, at the same time as, as you guys are listening to this. So if you guys are listening to this, you can uh, email us and we, f- we make sure you get the coffee. Okay. Uh, but are there some other ones that you know as well where you can, we could try it? Well, in, in, in Europe, uh, we have a, a great relationship with, the, I think it's a really good roaster, uh, Soren Stiller. Sure. Up in up in Aarhus, also in in Denmark. Yes, we are, yeah. in here in France, we are working with Telsa Cafe. We're really happy with with Christophe and Joachim, his mm-hmm. his barista, and I think they're doing an amazing job. Uh, I think th- those are so, uh, some of the good rosters that we are wor- working with, and of course April Coffee. But <laughs> the, the, long story short, make sure you try the coffee. Because uh, it's, it's it's truly amazing coffee. Um, Alejo, thank you very much. I know we, we have a packed schedule uh, this weekend, but I'm really happy that you took the time to to sit down with us. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening will really appreciate it as well. No, thank you very much. I'm really happy and really proud that uh, you chose me to to make this podcast, and I hope uh, people enjoy it. For sure. Thank you very much. From us here at April, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you.